Hello, and welcome to Stace Pod, the Transformers animated podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. And today, we are elbowing each other over cheap merchandise, because it is Black Friday. Yay! I want a redeco construction team. <laughs> that was a thing in Robots in Disguise. Not this Robots in Disguise, the old one. Yes, they, there was that, and then I think there was at one point uh, a redeco of Ruination. I can't remember if it was the Tiger Force-looking one or the Urban Camo one. Oh, they, yeah. They used that, that mold set until it was dust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Couldn't have taken too much more. Transformers! This is Black Friday, written by Rich Fogel, who has previously written uh, several other episodes. Uh, most recently, The Elite Guard. And again, we've got kind of a clever title here. Yay! Good jobs! Because there are two villains with black in their names, and they team up, and I guess it's Friday. Yeah, the, the Friday <laughs> part just sort of doesn't work. I mean, it is a reference to the day, was it the day after American Thanksgiving? Yes. Yeah. The day when, apocryphally, most major American retailers are finally turning a profit for the year after you factor in all their overhead. I'm not sure how true that actually is. And thus they yeah. are in the black. What yes. I heard was that originated in, like, I think either Philadelphia or Pittsburgh, where that's just what, like, the police would call it because of the traffic problems. Oh. <laughs> and it... You know, retail workers picked it up because they dreaded it, and then it actually got, like, picked up by the mainstream, and people were like, that completely undermines the fact that we were all using it to mean something that we hate. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is terrible. Uh, which, I think, originally, it refers to, like, a stock market crash or something? Yes. Or... Uh, was that Black yeah. Friday or Black the Monday? The United States gold Ooh. market crash of September 24th, 1869. Ooh. Okay. Oh. I think it was reapplied to two later market I mean, crashes as well. I was going to say, I think I have a vague memory that it's also the name of like some probably super cheesy like 70s suspense novel about like some sort of terrorist attack on a sporting event or something. Oh, no. But this You're is... thinking of Black Sunday, which is written by uh, Thomas okay. Harris of Hannibal Lecter fame. Yes. Uh, which is about terrorists hijacking a blimp and crashing into the Super Bowl. That's that was oh. yes, the blimp. I okay, so I worked at a used bookstore for <laughs> three years, as may have come up before. And yes, I remember seeing that that cover as well as seeing it on like the bookshelf of some friend I had in elementary school. Because I don't know why I remember things like that. My brain is that, weird. That that sounds like a bad year. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, kind uh, of a fun movie. <laughs> oh my god, was anybody like 
really terrible in it. I'm well. I mean, not really terrible. Uh, Robert Shaw is in it. Bruce Dern. Okay. Um, okay. Martha Keller from Marathon Man. Um, huh. William Daniels, aka uh, Mr. Feeney. Mm-hmm. And the voice of Kit. <laughs> ah. Okay. Oh. See, like I mostly just know Bruce Dern as Laura Dern's father. So. And I mean, uh, like a bunch of actual like football guys playing themselves because it's crashing into the Super Bowl. Ah, oh, that huh. sounds great. And I think they also use like actual footage of Jimmy Carter, who was president at the time. Oh wow! Because like the president is at the Super Bowl, which is why they're crashing this blimp into the Super Bowl. So yes, yeah, so days being referred to weekdays being referred to as black have a uh, a long tradition preceding. Uh, the the whole retail phenomenon, but uh, as far as I'm aware, the name of it for the retail phenomenon started out with people who just really, really hated it. <laughs> and of course, as punishment, the day has extended out into most of Thanksgiving now. Oh. Yeah, that's that's what we got for speaking out. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so there's nothing about this episode that actually is a Friday. Except, I guess you can assume it's Friday. So at this point, I feel like we've overshot the titling. Uh, so oh, instead we did of a night going... day cycle, so it's across two days. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like we've gone past good, clever titles and just into unnecessarily clever titles. Yeah. So I, as the as the title critic of the show, uh, declare this to be uh, a little too far on the clever side. <laughs> the end. Uh, yeah, this first aired uh, June fourth, but it was previously uh, aired. Well, not aired, but uh, it was pre- it was seen a couple months early on April twenty seventh at Botcon two thousand eight in Cincinnati. Yes, at ten o'clock in the morning. Yes. Making us get up on a Sunday. Oh my god. It's like watching uh, Sunday morning cartoons. I I mean I I used to actually do that because that's when uh, the independent like syndicated station in DC would show like Exo Squad and that stuff. But uh, yeah, I I used to do that with uh, UPN's cartoon lineup. Those shows yeah, were open. I think that was that was usually a UPN station, but. Uh, but yeah, the point is, on uh, a Sunday morning at BotCon, you pretty much have to have something like a brand new episode of the currently running show to get people out of bed that early, because they... It's less the case now that... Uh, well, I mean, not now at all, because there is no longer BotCon. Uh, but it got to be less the case with the fun pub uh, BotCons, when they sort of, you know, restricted access to the guests a lot more. But back in the 3H days, Saturday night was a party night. You would be down there in the hotel bar until 3 in the morning. You'd be down there in the hotel bar with Wankus until they kicked you all out. <laughs> so uh Sunday morning was usually for, if not literal hangovers, at least like some kind of hangovers. Hangover? Uh, so... Nope, still drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, so... uh I, I do remember getting up to uh to see this showing though because like I said the the parties were not quite as hopping uh once they started restricting access to the guests a little more. The end. That's my botcon story. <laughs> and all my only story from that botcon is that I bought a striker from uh noted Transformers fan M Cipher during that panel 
and it kind of looked to the untrained observer. It would appear that it would it looked like a drug deal. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, I think that would have been uh, the convention where I discovered Java Monster uh, and just like sucked the whole thing down because it tasted really good and was jumping off the walls. Because I remember that being the same panel. Uh, where they announced uh, Jetstorm and Jetfire for the next season. Oh, right. Yes. And, of course, people were immediately asking me about shipping it. Uh, of course. <laughs> which, of course, you know, I, I remember being bouncing off the wall at that point. I mean, and I do think they're brothers. And, I mean, we were talking about Game of Thrones last episode, but let's not go nuts here. <laughs> Yeah, but I think what really broke it for me was more them coming off as, like, 12-year-olds. Uh, also which that. is, uh, I, I draw yeah. the line there. Uh, but anyway, but that we weren't aware of that part until they actually appeared on screen. And then I was like, oh, that's kind of young. Oh. So, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so we open uh, yes. uh, in super jail. <laughs> so do they have, like... Were the other – there weren't, like, other cells that were, like, super. It was really just, like, his sitting there. But then again, I guess they have to have, like, a raft for yes. Detroit's. <gasps> Where do they keep it? Do they keep it out in the river? Oh, man, maybe maybe it's on, like, Zug Island. Yes, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> it should absolutely be on Zug Island. Yes. Uh, everybody Google Zug Island. It's a weird <laughs> garbage island. You know, <laughs> near Detroit, that may or may not produce weird noises. Oh, that island. Z-U-G Island. Or Z-U-G so, for you Americans. Z. So yes, I am uh, I am going to, my headcanon is that that's where Detroit keeps its supervillains. It makes Although, sense. From the other villains we've seen, they are all just guys with gizmos. So that's they wouldn't really need to fair. go into super prison. Yeah, you don't, I mean, you take Angry Archer's stuff, his bow and arrow away from him, and it's like, oh no, it's just this guy who talks ridiculous. Yeah, oh no. It has a prosthetic arm. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah, would they take that off and give him just like a hook? Yeah. Wait, does he have a hand under that, or is that I guess he might just have a hand under it. It's hard to tell. But I mean, you know, you take uh, slow-mo out of her suit, and she's just, or... Like you even take, and she doesn't even have that well, weapon she that she has any. anymore. So she's yeah, just a time enthusiast. Find, um... Don't take powdered sugar away. That's just mean. You well, see, have to, dangerous. or she'll fly like, away. Well, see, uh, she's like a super genius, so she might be able to build like a new powdered sugar out of like uh, stuff in the machine shop. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. So she might be with in the in the in the uh, in the vault here. Yeah. But, like, Nanosec is just a guy who steals things and also sometimes has a super suit. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, so... So, yeah, it is... You get a look at the outside of the prison very briefly. Yes. Is it on Zug Island? No. It is sadly not. It's like it's built into an old church. Yeah. (laughs) Boring. (laughs) Kind of Archimede. I mean, I would have kind of liked, like, cameos in the cells here, the way that you always got, like, villain cameos whenever Batman went to Arkham. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been nice. So, yeah, it's it's Sari and Bumblebee, and they, they want... They're tired of Porter C. Powell just dicking with the Sumdac legacy. So they've come to see a former employee 
uh, or former business partner of Porter C. Powell, uh, Prometheus Black. Yeah, he's in this big sort of plastic cage, and I was thinking, like, Magneto? Cerebro? What's... Cerebro Magneto! Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it looks a lot like the Magneto cage, only it's tinted oh, yellow. It, it is absolutely the Magneto. So he's just like, uh... I I would be happy to murder him for you, small child. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, uh, no. Also, it's nice that they let him keep his disco suit in uh, jail. Yes. I mean, so, they'd be cleaning up after him a lot more if they didn't. This is true. Also, yes, when he sits up, he makes this horrible, like, gooey, gushy, gacky sound. It's pretty great. Yeah. And, uh, this, and this is Peter Stormare voicing uh, Meltdown again. And this is, since this is our last time that we're going to get to talk about Peter Stormare on this show, I have to mention this quote from Peter Stormare on uh, – it was just uh, an interview that came out this week with the AV Club where he's uh, talking about Transformers director Michael Bay <laughs> because he is in two Michael Bay movies and he was cut out of a third uh, because really? there were too many penises on screen in his scene. Aw, but... In his... In which Transformers movie was this scene in? Oh, that was Revenge of the Fallen. No, it was in Pain and Gain. I wish it was in Revenge of the Fallen. Oh. Peter Stormare in the middle of that movie talking about dicks. <laughs> Better movie. <sighs> I'm kind of surprised he hasn't voiced a Transformer yet. Okay. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. So, anyway, Stormare... You know, the AV Club does these interviews with uh, actors, and they... Uh, it's called Random Roles, and they just randomly mention roles, and they talk about you know the recollections here. And they're talking about these Michael Bay movies. And he says, I, I have to say, Michael Bay, I've been with him three times now. To me, he's one of the outstanding directors in this town. I love him dearly. I have all the respect for him. There's a lot of stories about him. A lot of people trash him. But as an actor, I said to him, you're the closest to Ingmar Bergman out of anybody that I ever met in this country as a director. <laughs> And what? Peter Stormare is Swedish. He worked with Ingmar Bergman I know, towards the end of his life. It's just... we. I, okay, so I guess Bay movies in their own weird way are odd artistic visions like a Bergman movie? Well, as the interviewer is, is unsurprisingly a little confused by this and says, How? How? <laughs> And as Stormare says, and imagine uh, this all in, like, Peter Stormare's Swedish accent, which I'm not going to do because I'll just sound like the Swedish chef. Uh, he's very precise. He knows exactly what he wants. But he's sort of on speed all the time, natural speed. But if you could see the enthusiasm he has. And that's the thing with Michael. He's very precise. For me as an actor, I take no offense when a director says, little faster, no too fast, little more anger, don't say it in anger. You know, say it in a kind way. I know it's written like it's in anger, but say it nice and smile. He's very precise, at least with me. Hmm. It says that to be with him for, for a couple days is amazing because he knows what he wants. He has the whole movie in his head already. He knows how he wants to edit it, and I have the biggest respect for him. I think he's wonderful to work with. He's wonderful just to sit and talk to, and he sets the bar for all the movies here. That sounds really nice, and it sounds like he might have been the only actor to ever have a good impression of Michael Bay. But saying he has the entire movie in his head, I've seen Revenge of the Fallen. There's... I mean, that that might say terrifying things about Michael Bay. Yeah. I mean, 
It, and it had no script. There's no way he had a plan for the entire movie in his head. <laughs> okay, so now robot testicles. <laughs> so now weird lady who I spent several million dollars on having animated who completely drops out of the plot after this. <laughs> Listen, we've seen her butt. She's now superfluous to the plot. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I can't imagine... The the scene with the tightest shirt being in Michael Bay's head for years and him just waiting to put it on film. Man, yes. I can totally imagine it in an Ingmar Bergman movie, though. <laughs> but can you imagine him having an image for years of John Turturro looking up at a giant robot's dangling metal balls? I mean, I kind of can. <laughs> God yeah. knows it's been in my mind since I saw that movie. And the images of John Turturro in his underwear. Uh, so much John Turturro. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Michael Bay, America's Ingmar Bergman. <laughs> sure. That says a lot about America. <laughs> well, remember, Storm anyway, Mary is... time for a jailbreak. Yeah, so yeah, they... You know, Black is... He's, he's actually kind of happy to see them because nobody else comes to see him. Uh, and to which Sire responds, that, you know, he'd probably have more visitors if he wasn't always trying to mutate people into monsters. I mean, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> He'd get along really well with Sauron from Marvel Comics. Listen, he doesn't want to cure cancer. He just wants to turn people into pretenders. <laughs> so yeah, he uh, he can't really help them except because Porter C. Powell is such a good businessman that he just covers everything up. But, you know, if you want to murder him, then... Uh, you know, I'm I'm your horrifying acid man. <laughs> yes, and then they're like, uh, no. And so they just leave. Yeah. And then and he accidentally destroys his sofa. Yeah, I lose <laughs> more furniture that way. Poor guy. Uh, so that night there is there is gonna be a jailbreak. And Porter C. Powell is going to watch it, because apparently he owns this super jail. Oh man, private prisons. You know Porter C. Powell is a guy who would own prisons. Yeah, man, yeah. Oh man, I could just, you know, you could go real dark with him. I mean, I say you could go real dark with him, but basically you could just extrapolate him into actual RoboCop Detroit. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. He is, he's a real Dick Jones. Yeah, yeah. So it is not, however, uh, it's not Portisie Powell, it's not Sorry, it is the Dinobots. <gasps> what? Although they, they try to fake us out into thinking it's Sorry briefly. Yes. Well, because Meltdown thinks that it's Sorry. Yes. But he's... And the Dinobots do say they're working for her. Yes. And remember, Portisie Powell, or, uh, Meltdown used to be the master of the Dinobots, and he did so by horribly burning them with acid. So, as you can imagine, he's not thrilled to see him. No. He tells them that, you know, this, this cell, it's as unbreakable as your stupid skulls. So they just take the whole cell. <laughs> yes. And he calls them mechanical miscreants. Yeah, he's very Dr. Smith here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very cute. You can you take those co- creatures... You clattering contraptions! William! <laughs> anyway, so they take him to Dinobot Island, and they are apparently worshipping someone there. 
yeah, things things get a little weird. The show has two lady characters with names and voices, so guess who it is? Yep. Things it things get a little bl- hooked on a feeling here, actually. <laughs> yeah, there's some Uga Chuckaing going on. <laughs> yes. So they they get there, they you know, get them off of Grimlock's back and then they start going Uga Chaka, Uga Chaka. Well, I can't stop this feeling. Grimlock does. The the other two don't actually have lines. That's true. Ever. Yeah. Which is a shame. And yes, it is Black Arachnia, and I am not entirely sure if they are worshipping her, or if they are in love with her, or both. I'm thinking it's both. I get definitely a both vibe. the, The feeling I was getting is that Black Arachnia has a stupid harem. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah. It's it's her harem of idiots. Her harem of useful idiots. Which, yes. I, I mean, I, I may be kind of that, envy, but, you know. I got the impression that she had kind of a uh, dominant slash infatuation thing going on with Grimlock, and the other two just kind of go along with it because they do what Grimlock says. Or yeah. he hits them. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be too bad because this is clearly an entirely chaste relationship. Yeah. Or there would be robot chafing. But yeah. I mean, it, it's it's you can't like entirely rule it out. When there are Dinobots involved, there could be a rigid grill structure. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, is this the first time that that um, uh, Swoop and is it Snarl, whatever the hell, get robot modes? No, we did see that earlier. Oh, I believe. Okay. Actually, I think it was in the previous uh, Meltdown episode, Call of the Wild. Oh, okay. It must have been at the end. I don't really remember. They since they don't have voices, they don't leave as much of an impression other than they kind of remind me of, like, Three Stooges. Yeah. So, yeah, after after what happened in the previous season's finale, she washed up on the island, and she found Meltdown's lab there uh, from... was it? A Survival of the Fittest, not Call of the Wild. Survival of the Fittest was the previous Meltdown episode. Okay. And she found that, hey, he's pretty good at manipulating genes, and... I'd like those manipulated out of me. <laughs> yes. So yeah, we got uh, two villains with black in their name. They both do uh, genetic stuff. We got ourselves a supervillain team-up. Aw, oh, man. They don't oh, even yeah. fight. Well, yet. No, not yet. <laughs> it's sort it's, of like the, the reverse. It's the heroes who fight at the start of the team-up. Yeah, it's, it's the like the reverse. villains who betray each other at the end. Yeah. Yes. So they start out getting along and then betray each other at the end. It's a, it's a reverse of, of that. Fair. So Meltdown's all, hey, you know, what, what's in this for me, and what's in it for him is that the Dinobots won't murder him if he doesn't. Well, that's nice. I mean, to be fair, the Dinobots already wanted to murder him, so that's actually pretty good. Yep. So we're, we're investigating this jailbreak. Captain Fanzone is there. Porter C. Powell is there, and he's mad. And I love how Fanzone is just like, how do you have this information? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that... I guess he probably doesn't own this prison, because then Fanzone would just know that he owns the prison. That evidence is not permissible in court, sir. Yeah. So he wants protection, and Fanzone is just DGAF. Yeah, you just... whatever. Yeah, okay, considering I mean, this is a jailbreak, Fanzone doesn't seem to give a fuck this whole episode. No, he yeah. does not. Especially by the end, it's sort of like, I mean, of course... They're the, the Autobots are the good guys, so of course we're like, well, okay, this is good, but, I mean, 
Seriously. I mean, unless like, he just doesn't give a crap because it's a different department. Maybe, maybe they're. Yeah, no, this is a uh, this is a federal prison. Uh, you uh, you want to call somebody else, like not me. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a Red ga- Red Wings game to watch. Yeah. He knows how the supervillain team-ups work at this point, too. He knows they're <laughs> going to betray each other. <laughs> <laughs> so they they do some CSI BS with this camera footage, and they what see the Dinobots yeah. in a reflection. Enhance. 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 And while all this is going on, Bumblebee just will not shut up. <laughs> And so Prowl gets so agitated that they, they place a bet for a case of sweet, sweet axle grease. Okay. Like, okay, axle grease, whatever, it's not oil, which is alcohol we've set up. What is axle grease for? But th- this is a plot that I'm kind of surprised. I don't remember it ever happening in Transformers before, that Loudmouth character is has a bet that they can't shut up. Although it's such a sitcom plot, it's a little weird. Yeah, that is surprising. Although, it turns out this isn't going to be like a through line of this show. No. But it I do want to know what he's... I mean, is he just greasing his axles with it? Maybe it's like soda, you know, maybe it's Yeah, because like... he calls it sweet axle grease, but axle <laughs> grease is very viscous, I think. Maybe it's like a, a non-alcoholic but still enjoyable beverage. It's like it's like Go-Gurt. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. What? No. <laughs> Being viscous and being sweet aren't mutually exclusive. Exactly, like Gogurt. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying Gogurt. I was thinking Why? more a slurry of fun dip. Hmm. Or like like a Slurpee. Nothing like a cool cup of uh, axle grease. <laughs> anyway, Bumblebee continues to n- try and fail to shut up. And eventually he, Prowl, and Optimus Prime go to Dinobot Island, where one naturally finds Dinobots. And they immediately split up, gang. Yep. Like, let's go search for clues, Scoob. <clears throat> anyway, uh, we get a scene of Prowl swinging through trees that really made me think of the Beast Wars episode Proving Grounds. Which, uh, incidentally, also a Black Rackney episode. Oh, yeah. I always just think Prowl runs like a ninja. Well, yes. he is a ninja. Uh, he's yeah. doing his stupid ninja stuff, running through the, like, Naruto running through the woods. Yeah. Uh, ninjas, man. I, I'm putting all my energy into running, so I can't actually put my arms in front of me. <laughs> Wait, it's... That running pose is always so... It seems like a good idea, but the more you think about it, the more ridiculous it might actually be. Yes. My my brain, other than Naruto, my brain has it filed away as the difference between old school Sonic and modern Sonic. Oh. Alright, so uh, he's running around. He doesn't really, he finds uh, some of Meltdown's footprints, but he also finds Bumblebee just screaming tracks him down, and he is caught in a giant spider web. He's, uh, he's very Cheetor here. Yes. I, I definitely had some Cheetor flashbacks to him getting <laughs> caught in giant glowing spider webs. And Prowl is much less effective than Rat Trap was at getting people out of them. 
Yeah, because he just gets ambushed and is also webbed up. Good job. And uh, I guess poisoned with cyber venom. Yeah. Whatever it is. <gasps> dun, dun. They, yeah, they get assaulted. Poison. Yes. They get assaulted by a friend who's good at spinning webs. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it, David. Earlier, <laughs> earlier than this in my notes, I have the note, bat, shark, crab, squid thingies. Yes. We are eventually going to see them again. <gasps> ah, good point. And then also, uh, does Black Rackman knock out Prowl with a kiss? Or does that come later? No, uh, it's like she's going in for a kiss, but she uses her shoulder leg stinger thingies. Anytime okay. she... So she does kind of have a rogue thing going on, which had me thinking here. Yeah. Oh, what power does Black Crab yeah, absorb from Prowl? Being a weeaboo? <laughs> Mild dickishness? <laughs> the power of running through the forest with her arms behind her. His extensive collection of swords? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I did, and I'm sure I brought this up before, the thing with Beast Wars Black Rachnia is for the most part, with a few exceptions, she really only pulled this sort of thing on Tarantulas. And we discussed that, about how that was almost kind of fair because he was the one who made her to be attractive to him. So yes. it was entirely fair of her to turn that against him. Whereas this Black Arachnia just does it to everyone except, sorry, the underage girl. Yeah, she's kind yeah. of just doing the va-va-va-voom thing to yeah, everybody. She- she does do it to everybody. Well, uh, original Black Arachnia also did it to Quick Strike and, well, eventually Silverbolt. Well, with Silverbolt, but, it was actual mutual. I mean, she like, meant it with Silverbolt. Yeah, she meant it with Silverbolt. Yeah, and, but what she was doing with Quick Strike is what she's doing with Grimlock here. She just sort of doing it with everybody. She I mean, I don't know that she was really encouraging it with Quick Strike. It was just kind of happening because Quick Strike does yeah. not have boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So it was like, it, if it was, some of that was going to happen. But yeah, I I do kind of, I don't like this version of her as much because she's just completely defined by that. Yeah, and in fact, like, when Grimlock is spurred on by her affectations, he just turns into a Tex Avery cartoon. Yeah, he actually does. It's it's kind of silly. Like, his head shoots up and flames shoot out of his collar. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny, but also... I don't know. What is this? The mask? <laughs> what was with his neck getting skeletal when the flames were shooting out? I, I mean, I guess that's like his thing. spine. I mean, because it, he, it's, he's kind of doing a Mortal Kombat fatality to himself. <sighs> but yeah, that's weird. Hmm. So yeah, Black Arachne shows up and she gives Prime the deal. So oh, I've While poisoned... hanging upside down... Yes, she's she's uh, she's doing a lot of Spider-Man type stuff in this. Yeah. Yeah. So hey, I I poisoned those two, and they will straight up die unless I give them the antidote. So you and Grimlock are gonna have to team up and find the genetic modifier, uh, which is the MacGuffin of the episode. I'm at least glad that in again back to Beast Wars, but I'm glad at least this time they're not calling it a driver. Yes. I mean, it's it's a thing that modifies genes. I guess it's a genetic modifier. It kind of ends up looking like a super soaker. Yeah, mm. yeah, it does. Yeah. And so, yes, it's it's a once again going back to Beast Wars. It's a bit of a low road because you got David K teaming up with David K. Yay! Oh, yeah. It's a fun team up of David's K. 
Yes. <laughs> so they go to the mainland, and as expected, Grimlock, being a terrifying giant robot Tyrannosaurus, uh, just causes mass havoc. He's so fun here. Oh, yes. I mean, he's going straight into the, like, Phil Hartman as Frankenstein's monster on SNL. We even get a fire bad. <laughs> yes. Though this does have one of one of the best, one of my favorite lines from the entire show. <laughs> Which is where Grimlock says he's going to go off alone. And then he, like, walks between some buildings out of sight. And then he turns around and comes back. And he's like... You know, what is genetic modifier? Or, you know, what is this thingy? Genetic thingy. Yeah, the yes. genetic thingy. And Optimus is like, well, you know, basically saying stick with me. <laughs> Fine, me Grimlock go with you. But me Grimlock go with alone. you alone. I love, I love stupid, but hard to get along with Grimlock. <laughs> Yes. Great. Such and a delightful shtick. This is really the stupidest and yet hardest to get along with Grimlock that we've had. Definitely on par with, <laughs> with me not care if this whole planet destroyed <laughs> with you on it. Hmm, me oh, Grimlock not of think of that. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of a fusion of like Simon Furman, you know, up yours, Optimus Prime Grimlock, and Generation 1 cartoon, Dumb as a Box of Rocks Grimlock. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's brilliant. I love it. But I just really love me, Grimlock, go with you alone. <laughs> I mean, occasionally you'd get flashes of that in the, the old cartoon. I think in uh, Atlantis Arise, he's just kind of ragging Optimus Prime all the time. Mm-hmm. But th- I, I, I like this Grimlock a lot. Oh, he's so good. Yeah. I think my favorite bit, not to take away from the alone one, was uh, later on Grimlock just totally smashes something in front of everyone and then immediately points at Optimus and goes, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's right after we get to the good cop, Jurassic yeah. cop part. Yeah, uh, we, yes. we get we get to Powell Tower and... Uh, yeah, Optimus is, uh, you know, they're kind of running out of time. He doesn't like Porter C. Powell and just tosses him up in the air and lets Grimlock swallow him. <laughs> so his bones are just like, you know, he lands in this robot Tyrannosaur's mouth. His bones are just powder now. Yeah. Yeah, he should be dead. Not to mention that you don't even know what's inside Grimlock. He might just have like a garbage disposal in there. <laughs> He does end up covered in black gunk when he finally gets spit back yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a... I don't want to think about what that is or where it came from. Oh. But Porty C. Powell should definitely stay away from open flames for a little while. <laughs> his suit, though. And he actually says that my suit. But I feel so bad about his suit. I mean, it's a nice suit. Really? I know. It's so uh, great. I mean, I'm, I'm on hand. It's a nice suit. On the other hand, look at it. Yeah. It's not dry clean. That's garden hose clean. it's it's gotta be one of a kind I mean that's from the 70s and he's living 40 years in the future well he's rich enough he can probably get them custom done oh yeah he probably has a closet full of those because that's the only suit we ever see him wear yeah (laughs) unless he's one of those rich guys who's like super cheap and like eats at Arby's all the time and owns one suit 
Arby's. They have the meats. They do. Which sounds like a disease. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, oh, I, I went to Arby's I, and uh, I've got the meats. <laughs> I went there a few days ago and holy crap, those sliders they offer are bigger than sliders. Uh, <laughs> those are nice. Mind. I'm going to have to get those more often. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, Porter C. Powell, uh, understandably not wanting to be eaten, and I think they actually use the Jurassic Park T-Rex roaring sound effect here. They do. <laughs> or, or they do a really good approximation. Uh, so he takes them down to the basement, which is weird, because remember, uh, Prometheus Black was working for Porter C. Powell as his financier, but he was apparently doing so from Isaac Sumdak's basement? I... I'm not sure if it's even in the same building because the cut were just somewhere else. It could be the base. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. He was just like renting space room down there. I guess it's like, uh, maybe, I, uh, pa- maybe uh, all of the office spaces are set up in pods. Right. I'm thinking it's like some, it's like, uh, the Renaissance Center in Detroit where it's like, it's got the GM sign on the building, but they don't own the whole building. Uh-huh. Or like, uh, the Chrysler building, which, I mean, I don't think, I don't know if Chrysler has any interest in the in the Chrysler building anymore. But, I mean, you have all sorts of companies in there. And uh, during the 90s, I believe the Kingpin occupied the entire uh, top floor. <laughs> oh, yeah. he The top several floors. He needed to to be able to deploy his gliders from it. Yes. It's a good thing because, and it, you know, despite it being probably the second most famous tower in New York, nobody ever noticed, uh, like, a giant door opening up and, like, the hobgoblin coming out. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody looks up there. That's a that's a tourist thing. It's a New Yorker thing. No, but only tourists look up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so they, they Honestly, finally find this... No, no go ahead. Dumb New York opinion. You want to go visit the Empire State Building because you can take pictures of the Chrysler Building from it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Uh. So, yeah, they, they get this genetic modifier, and they take it, and, uh, th- yeah, they get back to uh, Dinobot Island Without Incident, where Meltdown has already strapped down Black Arachnia. Kinky. I mean, he, however, he says it's necessary, unless uh, you want to slice off one of your own arms with those claws of yours. That's fair. Normally, that sort of thing is pretty painful. Yes. And, I mean, if she's all, all machine, her... You know, part machine. She, you know, they might necessarily might not necessarily all grow back. That's true. So yeah, Prime gets there. He's got the thing, and he's all, "Hey, you know, aunt, give me the antidote, and I'll give you this, and also uh, hand me the idol, and I'll give you the whip." <laughs> uh, but instead, Meltdown just decides to sick the aforementioned crab, squid, bat things on them. The uh, uh, submarauder and bomb burst—they're bigger yes. now. I guess they, they were just well, like, in a closet somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe they were just like living wild on the island. Well, presumably they were yeah, probably in the lab. Yeah, because at the end of the first time we saw them, they they just sort of vanished at the end of the episode. Yes, like I, I mean, they they, they probably they started getting into the Colossus Rhodes juice. Yeah, because they're uh... like three or four times taller. Before they were like taller than a person, but smaller than robots. Now they're bigger than Prime. Oh, he's 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 been giving these things either HGH or PIM particles, <laughs> and also I guess um, I mean should they have been arrested because these are technically people? You'd think, but they're not quite people anymore. And well, did Prowl tell the cops they were even there? 
I mean, that kind of seems like a thing Prowl might not mention. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they rush, and we get like a weird sort of sketchy close-up. Yeah, that was an interesting... I mean, this, I did notice, because mm-hmm. I was pulling up the episode information, looking at the uh, the botcon information, and does say that this one was done by Mook. So... Okay. I, is that like an anime thing, that sort of close-up where it's sort of weird and sketchy? I, yeah, I think it's I a little bit of a, a you know, manga influence sort of thing, where it's like, oh, also just, like a comic panel. It depends who's drawing the episode. Like, an episode is not drawn by one person. It's like a right. series of people, and every once in a while, somebody likes to show off and do different things. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, Meltdown plugs this modifier into a convenient socket on the machine, and uh, now the Black Rackney is safely bolted down. I uh, tells it that you know there's been a slight change of plans. Uh, Curse instead... your sudden but inevitable betrayal! <laughs> <laughs> so the thing where I was going to get rid of your organic parts and leave your robotic parts, it turns out I hate robots, and so Oops. I'm going to get rid of your mechanical parts and keep your organic parts, and then I'm going to experiment on them. Whoops! <laughs> Yay! Extreme extreme makeover genetic mutation edition. Yes, and he and actually he... does that. Yes. Yes, it's time for your extreme makeover. And actually, what this made me think was, this is because I hate machines. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the 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 Prometheus Black uh, yeah. Captain Fanzone team up we never got. <laughs> Yes. It would be like Midnight they need Run. To hang out, at least. <laughs> they need to hang out. I mean, they did hang out. Remember in the, his first episode, they were in like his private box uh, watching the Bumblebee v. Oh, um, Colossus, Colossus Roads. That's fair. That's fair. What What does a guy in two little robots in a spaceship have to do with this episode? Oh, wait, that was Silent Runnings, not Midnight Run. What the hell's Midnight Run? That's uh, Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin. Are we talking about Cool oh. Running for? Uh. <laughs> Anywho, so this science is happening. Optimus and Grimlock are getting beaten by these giant monsters. And also Grimlock just sets a bunch of stuff on fire with his flaming sword. Uh, throughout this, I just thought, everyone is different. No two people are not on fire. <laughs> <laughs> But luckily the other Dinobots show up And they just beat these uh, Monsters up Optimus puts out the fire And in the lab He just unplugs this modifier Before it can separate Black Ragnar into her component parts And Prometheus Black is not happy about this So he tries to pick it back up But he took off his gloves while he was Maniacally laughing so he ruins it Yep Oops. And that makes it short out, and he just melts. Good job. Yeah, he he just he just turns into this ooze, and he's melting, puddle. melting. He goes all clay face on him. Kinda, yeah. It, it's very much a movie villain monster death. Yes, like he just melts into a puddle of goo, and that's. As far as they know, he's just dead. And they have I, no reaction to that. <laughs> or Prime doesn't. No, well, uh, well, we didn't like him anyway. Yeah. 
So Optimus uh, frees Black Reacting, and she's all, oh, oh, my feminine weakness, please hold me, Optimus. But uh, just like the name of that book and movie, uh, she's just not that into you unless you can help her uh, eliminate her organic components. <laughs> yeah, this the scene is like, she starts out wooing, the, the, the being making nice with Prime, but is that actual intention on her own part? Oh, no. but, but then she notices, hey, Grimlock's angry in the background and uses it to her advantage by overplaying yeah, so, it. Yeah, so Grimlock turns on Prime, they, they fight a little, and while, whilst doing so, Black Reacnia just gets the F out of Dodge. Which is really the smart thing to do. Grimlock's running after her, and he does here say that he loves her. But she's gone, she's not coming back. Wah, wah. Too bad. Yep, so Prime just uh, goes back out and uh, finds uh, Prowl and Bumblebee's corpses. Mm-hmm. That's dark. Well, yeah. episode's over. <laughs> oh. Cue, uh, cue the Cure Beer Enthusiasm music. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I I do also think that the whole Venom and Antidote thing was a very Beast Wars spider thing. Yes. On one hand it was, on the other hand, not remembering exactly how it went down, and noting just how arbitrary the poison was at the beginning of the episode, I was really hoping the reveal was just going to be, she was bluffing the entire time. Yeah, that that seemed to be... (laughs) That's where I thought it was going, and but then he still injects them, and they walk up. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, because indeed she has left behind a Nerf gun-looking uh, in- antidote injector. That's, well, that's the same one that she had earlier, but yes, she has yes. left behind her antidote injector. Yes, but was it deliberate? Is there still some good in her? <gasps> eh, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, he put he doses them with the antidote. They wake up, and then Bumblebee, having remained silent while he was in a in a poison coma, demands his axle grease. <laughs> yes, and Prowl says that doesn't count, and Bumblebee gets angry at him. Yeah, what you're just making up new rules, <laughs> and he does refer to his as, as that sweet axle grease. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm I guess thinking he's eating it's a his candy grease. Yeah, I guess he's gonna <laughs> no. eat it or drink it. Or... But then why would Prowl have? I mean, I guess they just go out and buy it. Maybe it's just like With chocolate money? syrup. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it's like bug juice. <laughs> With gross name, completely unrelated to the gross name. Maybe. I mean, I, but I mean, they are robots, so I assume it's actual axle grease. Anyway, so Powell shows up, and as does Fanzone. He demands that. Fanzone arrest Optimus Prime. I mean, he has a point. He does, but also he's a dick, so Fanzone just tells him to go pound sand. <laughs> yeah, that's just... Optimus did return the stolen property in yes. near mint condition. And I mean, listen, it was still in like a drawer in Prometheus Black's lab. You weren't even using it. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. So yeah, they, uh, they all... Powell walks off, Prime wonders if there's still some good in Black Arachnia, and uh, back in the lab, where they didn't even bother to, I guess, <laughs> sop up Prometheus Black's corpse? That's just harsh, man. 
I mean, do you send the coroner? Do you just send a guy with a hose? It's <laughs> a good question. Do you have to mop him up, or do you just hose him down? Well, it's like, I really don't know what the procedure is with liquefied corpses. I don't think that happens much. Well, I think yeah. we, we should know at this point, because, well, not from this series, but, like, Batman, the animated series, is like we've seen cartoons deal with Clayface. We should know the procedures by now to deal with a and, I mean, I don't do, even know which coroner's jurisdiction is Dinobot Island. Well, yeah, maybe that's part of the problem. That's also so a much point. Plus, I mean, Detroit would have experience with this, uh, like that guy who gets uh, doused in toxic waste at the end of RoboCop. Oh, Pudface. <laughs> Don't touch me, man. He gets better for the TV series. Wait, seriously? Oh, yeah, he's in the TV series. Is he like is he like a toxic Avenger guy? Yeah, he's sort of the melted looking before he got run over by a car. The TV series oh. kind of ignores the got run over by a car part. Well, I mean, isn't like Clarence Boddicker alive in that show too? Uh, I think so. It's been a forever since I've seen it. And that's a guy who's never been on a Transformers cartoon but really should, uh Kurtwood Smith. Yeah. Love that guy. You mean President of the Federation, Kurtwood Smith? <laughs> uh, yes. He works for Dick Jones. Dick Jones! Uh, anyway, there's a puddle on the floor, and, and oh no, Prometheus, yes. he gets a face again. And he's, he's got, like, glowing eyes this time, so does he, does he have, like, more powers? Is he, like, a like an acid hydro man? <laughs> well, he did touch the thing. Yeah, so he must have... Unfortunately, we're not going to find out because this is the it for Prometheus Black yep. for the series. Aw, but that Peter is Stormare. disappointing. That we don't. Yeah, Peter Stormare is great, and if he's mutated more and become a Hydro Man, that means we're not going to get him. We're not going to get a married Jane with Prometheus Black powers. I mean, maybe he was going to make some more pretenders. We were going to get like a like a Finn back or a, or an Octo Punch Man. Or uh, I, w- I would take a Skull Grin. Or if he just went the Autobot route and just made a bunch of. Giant guys in doofy-looking armor. <laughs> they, they will be the perfect disguise. Uh, they're like they're like thirty feet tall. <laughs> that only means their cowardice must be greater. <laughs> Actual line from the Pretender's introduction in the Marvel comics: Galvatron can be whatever size he wishes. <laughs> oh, not. This is what happens when you give Bob Budiansky 12 toys to introduce in one issue. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. not going to try too hard. Yeah. Cowardice is even greater. <laughs> uh, I, I still love that we just ended on a shot of some acidic goo, or ASCU for short. Ha <laughs> 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 butts. I mean, I do love the end, or is it, type endings. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that is it for uh, is it for Prometheus Black, and that is it for Black Friday. So uh, enjoy your uh, Macy's parade, everybody! Yay! And your two weeks of turkey leftovers. Mmm, turkey. I do love a good uh, turkey sandwich. Same. So yeah, this is stuff. I mean. This, this is a perfectly fine episode. I really love your classic style supervillain team up in which they initially have some mutual uh, area of interest and then they suddenly and inevitably betray each other. Yeah. Like I said, it's like the reverse of the hero one. Yes. I'd never thought of it that way, but that's that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> So until next time, we are all over the internet. We are on Twitter, we're on Tumblr, and we're on Facebook. 
And we are hosted by IaconUnderground.net, uh, where we have a Patreon set up to help with our hosting fees and other podcast-related expenses. Uh, that is at Patreon.com slash IaconUnderground. And we currently are running monthly Patreon-exclusive episodes where we discuss movies, uh, David occasionally gets us to watch Kimono Friends, uh, and various <laughs> other things. So come by, uh, just a dollar a month will get you access to the exclusive content. That's right. And please let us know what you'd like us to watch next. You control our destiny, because if you don't, David's just going to make us watch Kimono Friends again. We did have a suggestion well... for Batman 66, the movie. Ooh, I do like that movie. <laughs> Is that on Netflix? Pro- um, possibly. I, I have it on DVD. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty readily available. At this point, it's probably on YouTube yeah. or something. I, yeah. I think it's on Canadian Netflix. Mm-hmm. So we'd have to check for American that, Netflix. Yeah, I don't know if that would help you guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, David's going to check. It does not appear to be on American Netflix. Uh, mm. But still, it should be pretty readily available. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll think of something. That is certainly an option that we are going to keep open, and I do love Cesar Romero. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love him and his painted-over mustache. And I... Uh, we may have a spirited debate over the superior Batman 66 Catwoman. Oh. I say it's Lee Merriweather, and I will we... fight to the death anybody who says otherwise. Uh, I got a that soft will... spot for Eartha Kit, man. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the, the the movie Catwoman is my least favorite of the three. Oh, what? What, you mean uh, Halle Berry? <laughs> no. <laughs> that, too. I mean, that's everybody's least favorite. <laughs> I was thinking Michelle Pfeiffer because I had completely forgotten that Halle Berry's Catwoman was a thing. It's okay. If you haven't forgotten it, uh, I mean, if you have forgotten it, you're among the lucky ones. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, you can find us, uh, anyway, you can also find our podcast on both iTunes and Google Play. Wherever you find us, please rate and review. So until next time, when, uh, we, when you're going to have to uh, leave a message, because sorry, no one's home. Oh, puns. <laughs> yep, we're back to puns. <sighs> but in, until then, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. Oh, in Japan, this episode translated as Heart of the Spider Woman. It's kind of a better title. Uh, I'm David. Uh, is, isn't, uh, isn't Raul Julia in that? <laughs>
Oh, uh, do we have any news or um, comics this week anyway? Wow. Uh, I think there are some comics that have to double check. I think recall there was some Transformers news. I'm trying to remember what it was. Last week was First Strike, and I, th- I think something else came out, but it didn't come... It wasn't in my... Pull- oh, it did uh, ROM Transformers come out? Or is that I believe yeah, that-, that was last week. Yeah, that was last week. Oh, okay, that's, that's not in Dropbox. Oh, isn't it? I thought it was. I don't think so. Number two? Yeah... No, you could talk about this whole uh, Bumblebee trademark thing. Oh, oh I haven't right. heard about the, that. With yeah, so I guess DC put out they've got they've got like that superhero girls line of dolls. Yeah. And they oh, pu- it's in there. It's under uh, it's under ROM, so it's under R. Oh, okay. Maybe it's it right above the Schick Hydrobot <laughs> file. So they, I, and I guess they put out one of uh, Bumblebee from the Teen Titans, and they put the trademark uh-huh. by it. A little trademark oh. symbol. And I think, like, Walkie noted that on Twitter, like, three weeks ago. And he was all, oh, you're going to be in trouble, DC. And he was joking. And now they're, they actually are in trouble. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Got to be careful for that. Yeah, I mean, of all the things, like, with trademark rights, it's like, everybody's trying to be extra careful. And the one thing they screw up on is fucking Bumblebee? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's no, the name right. of B. Like, you can't trademark that. <laughs> it, it's how, how how do you miss that one? Although, man, if people try to trademark names of bees, that I'm pretty sure that's the plot of B Movie Two. <laughs> no, they're trying no to trademark movie. the names of bees. But every time there's a trademark lawsuit, it goes faster. <laughs> What's the deal with trademark law? Uh, if Trump gets impeached, we might get B-Movie 2. No, why? According to what possibly could have been a fake Seinfeld tweet or something. Or something. Uh-huh. Oh, jeez. I don't... I, I think I'm the wrong age to think that anything to do with B-Movie was funny. <laughs> because I never actually saw it. I never I'm... saw it either. My exposure to it is mostly irony. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, mine is like 100% irony. Get this t-shirt with the script to B-movie printed on it, in its entirety. Yeah. It's much like the uh, newfound appreciation for uh, All-Star. <laughs> yeah. I always liked All-Star. Yeah. I well, not never that, but in the context, mostly, of Shrek, with <laughs> yeah. people who oh, are Shrek's young horrible. enough to have, to have grown up with Shrek rather than seeing Shrek in the theater when you were, like, 19. Yeah, Shrek murdered that song. It's like the song was like, it's okay, whatever. It's, oh, Shrek, I don't really like Oh, it. hey, I... it's the song of the summer of three years ago. Oh, God, it's back. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's back again. Yeah, yeah, apparently. At least it's a meme. I think that's really the, the most important thing, is just that it's a meme. Uh, the first two Smash Mouth albums are really good. I I like Walking on the Sun. That's I like from Counting Crows, album, I so I can't really talk. I, my musical tastes are bad, shall we say possibly? <laughs> or at least different. Like, I don't have that many albums, and the ones I do have, I should probably regret. I mean, I I thought I knew 90s music reasonably well, but then I just found out that uh, Natalie and Brigley is torn, is a cover, and I don't think I know anything anymore. <laughs> I don't know why people are so shocked about that being a cover. Like, I 
I didn't know it was a cover, but that happens all the time. Yeah. An artist will take uh, someone else's song yeah. that didn't get popular airplay and maybe is in a completely different genre or something, do a cover of it, and make it a hit. Yeah. Well, it's it's a thing that doesn't happen as much anymore it that happens, it becomes a hit. It happens to it new happened order like a lot. It happened like in the 80s and 90s, though. Well, and often it would be like a foreign song, so that it wouldn't necessarily have an English version. I think Laura Branigan did that a lot. Uh, yeah, that had happened. But but then there was like there there was an era when covers were actually good. <laughs> kind of like when remakes were actually good. Oh, hey, the thing is a good movie. Let's make that a third time. Oh my God! <laughs> did you guys know that Johnny Cash's Hurt was a cover? <laughs> uh, although I actually people. Reaction to that new It is okay so far? Okay. I'm hearing good things from people who would want to say good things about it if it was something that was up their alley. So Yes. And I'm hearing good things I, from the evil well, clown community. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's good. That's good to know. Well, that, that's, that's the thing. Like, I don't want it to be as much of a horror movie. I want it to be a movie that has horror in it, not a horror movie. Mm. Which is why I like insane Tim Burton. He was the only good thing, really, about that original, I guess. You mean Tim Curry? Tim Curry, right. Tim Burton, sorry. The evil clown community, as opposed to the chaotic good clown community, also known as Juggalos. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Tim Burton has made a bunch of movies with evil clowns. Yeah, yeah. What percentage of those were played by Johnny Depp? Um, Shockingly, I think none. Wow. I, I'm mostly thinking of those first two yeah. Batman movies. Ah. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, the yeah, Joker's not even this. in that second one, but it's still full of evil clowns. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how there are more clowns in the second one than the one with the Joker. Well, I mean, the one with the Joker, you can only have the one clown, or he just becomes one of many clowns. That's fair, well, clown yeah. I mean, that's kind of what he did in uh, Dark Knight. Was that there was some point where he was one of several clowns. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was sort of his thing, like, at the beginning, was that, that was oh, the my God, open. that's the one who's and actually... Yeah, that was the cold open. No, no, no. You you get hit... You get killed by the bus driver. Bus driver? <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's, that, uh, that opening also has some great uh, William Fickner. He's, Is he the pissed-off bank manager? Yes. Who Aww. plays like a scumbag in everything. <laughs> you and your friends are dead. Didn't Christopher Nolan like go out with a special IMAX camera and shoot that just as like a short film originally? I think so. Yes. Anyway, so shall we? Uh, shall we start up? Now that we've provided you with some uh, material for anecdotes, or not anecdotes? Yeah, um, outtakes. Outtakes. Yeah, <laughs> I have a lot of outtakes now. There you Can't go. Can't think of a reason not to.